2: This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available. But if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Lovesport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport.
3: This is the Leeds Fan Show with me, Kieran Critchard, and I'm joined this evening by John McKenzie and Daniel Moroney from All Stats, aren't we? How are we doing this evening, guys? Yep, i
4: wonderful, thank you. It's, uh, we've had a win last weekend, so I always feel good uh, when we do the show after
3: that. And Daniel, how's your week been? Yeah, not too bad, yeah. Pretty, it must have been a good week after a win. How, yeah. how, does, your, does your mood change? Because I, I, from my point of view as a Liverpool fan, my week is kind of determined by, by results not just for Liverpool but other sporting teams are your moods dictated by whether Leeds win, draw or lose?
4: Oh definitely yeah but does that mean that you're in a bad mood because of the Liverpool result midweek so do we have to G you up
3: yeah, maybe you're going to have to inject some energy feeling a bit low but I'm sure I didn't want to say this to the Chelsea guys before but we're going to batter them on Sunday so <laughs> I'm sure I'll be in a better mood by next week so we'll be reacting obviously to Leeds' 2-0 win away at Barnsley we'll be getting the views of Bryn Law commentator for LU TV, talk about that game as well as Leeds starts the season because for Leeds fans it's, it's looking pretty good at the moment top of the table we'll also be getting the opposition point of view and I'm sure there'll be some feisty conversation there it is Derby County I don't think I need to say anything more about Leeds v Derby and we're also towards the end of the hour be getting uh, some reactions to some of the questions uh, from some of the listeners let's then start with uh, that win last weekend it was a day of Yorkshire derbies actually Huddersfield Sheffield Wednesday as well Uh, Barnsley v Leeds 2-0 let's start with you John what what was your instant reaction to that because it it kind of took a while and and off off the bench yet again Eddie and Ketty are scoring Um, what, what, what were your views on that win? If you were to ask
4: Matt Beadle what what my uh, constant clarion call is on this show, it's trust the process. Um, and so for me, I guess my my primary my primary sort of attitude towards games like that is, it will come. We're playing well enough for the for the goal to come. If it doesn't come, so be it. But we you know we're doing everything right. And that was a that was. Just the sort of game that that you have to keep reminding yourself that trust the process and you know Leeds Leeds pretty much controlled the game I thought um, not quite so well as they had in the past but I mean there's a talking point there about Adam Forshaw uh, not playing um, I've I as everyone knows on this on this show is a bit of a Forshaw stan. Um, Jamie Shackleton came in in, in place of uh, Adam Forshaw, and it changed the dynamic of the game a little bit but we were still in control we still created uh, the, the better the better chances and I don't think there's any doubt that the Leeds were eventually going to turn the screw and, and get the result.
3: One of the men Daniel on the score sheet obviously as I mentioned was Eddie Nketiah assigned from Arsenal uh, over the summer have you been surprised at how quickly sort of he is he is kind of become a a fan favorite so so quickly obviously Arsenal see him as part of their future plans and he did play a decent bit in the Europa League for Arsenal last season are you are you surprised and I'm guessing delighted with the speed at which he has transitioned into this league and is already contributing pretty well yeah it's really great
5: how he's um he's come quite quickly into and fit into the Bielsa system um obviously he hasn't started any games yet so I think the proof will be in um how he comes in uh, from the start because he's 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 really knocking on the door um to you know for a starting place but um yeah in terms of the impact he's made off the bench he uh yeah he definitely looks like um he's going to be a worthwhile signing obviously and he's going to um you know score enough goals to get us up hopefully
3: one of the questions that that i've seen banded around quite a lot in the last couple of weeks is is, is how marcelo bielsa goes about picking his strikers now Patrick Bamford was the man that started on Sunday and Nketi came on for him after 17 minutes. John, are you part of the camp that would like to see both of them start together or do you think it actually works quite well that you've then got two really good options, one that you can put from the bet from the start, whichever one that may be, and then you've got someone else, uh, another pretty good striker, that-, that is able to come off the bench and have a big impact on a game?
4: Yeah, Bielsa was asked about this in the press conference yesterday and he said... You know, you can play both both Bamford and Inquetti together if you wanted to, but what you've got to realise is that you're taking away a player who's going to support uh, and and create goals as well. So you have to think about it in that in that sense. It's not just simply the case as I think some people think. You know, the more strikers you play, the more likely you are to score. It's not quite that simple. Um, I'm ha- I'm happy with Bamford. I thought Bamford was excellent against Barnsley. Um, I was just saying to to Daniel before we came on the show. Uh, most strikers only really need to do two or three things really well. One of those things is, is score goals, obviously. Um, the other thing is finding space, etc. And Bamford, I think, is is he does more than that. He's he's um, he's a much more. Um, well-rounded striker, which is, I think, why he's being preferred over Nketiah at the moment. Uh, Nketiah is brilliant at finding space and he's brilliant at scoring. Um, He does those two things really well and I think that's why it's great to have him as an option um, coming off the bench. So I'm happy with the way things are at the moment. I don't think there's any need, really, for us us to panic quite yet. Um, But I think the reason why Nketiah is so popular is because he's doing that thing that fans love and that's scoring goals.
3: One of the things that we've seen from Leeds at the start of the season is the number of crosses uh, that Leeds uh, are making they make more crosses per night than any other team in the championship but have the worst percentage accuracy now does that is that a statistic that Marcelo Piazza should be looking at and thinking training ground boys more work on these the, the, the accuracy of these crosses we're getting crosses in but the quality isn't exactly there
4: Yeah, I mean, he's talked about this as well in in press conferences as well. And he said, you know, one of the signs of of maturity that you see from a team is is their ability to recognise when taking a cross... Isn't necessarily the best option where it's actually the best option to hold onto the ball and get it in. But yeah, that was we 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 produced a, um, a, a, some data this week uh, on our on our Twitter feed. Uh, Josh Hobbs did just looking at the look, looking at how far behind Leeds really are in terms of their crossing accuracy. Um, uh, particularly players like uh, Jack Harrison and Stuart Dallas stand out. They're making a lot of crosses and their accuracy is amongst the worst in the league. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's a frustration. That's something that we saw at the end of last season as well. And I think, the, again, the fans' frustration came from the fact that in the Wigan game, for example, we, we made loads of crosses in that game, but none of them really came to anything. So it's good that, that this data has come out, I think. It's good that Bielsa is uh, addressing that, that, that flaw and hopefully we'll see um, maybe a little bit more efficiency going going forward.
3: I wanted to get your views on one of the men you just mentioned, Jack Harrison, because, again, he's on loan uh, from Manchester City. Uh, a Leeds fan of mine it isn't exactly enamoured with him. He doesn't necessarily rate him as particularly highly as maybe some people are, are putting out there that obviously he's on loan from Manchester City, who a lot of people talk about whether Manchester City are going to give these youngsters a chance. Daniel, from what you've seen from Jack Harrison last season and going into this season... How highly do you rate him and, and and do you look at it and think, oh, I'd love it if Leeds could manage to secure him on a permanent deal?
5: I think that would all depend on um, if we were promoted, um, the kind of money that um, you know they'd want for him is it, Premier League money really. Um, and at points last season, um, again like John was touching on, the end product from him was, wasn't good enough and there were times when we were kind of looking for him to break the lines um, and he was a bit kind of reluctant to do that for whatever reason um, and was looking to work the ball more inside um, which you know did the limit the kind of the way we played I think at points um, so it's a kind of mixed bag but he has started this season very well I think um, compared to last season he's done a lot of work on his fitness over the over the summer apparently in, in America um, and yeah I think we've seen a kind of more focused kind of player um, this season but yeah I guess the stats don't <laughs> quite back up
4: yeah I think I I agree with you on all points there I I think one of the problem the, the 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 problem is made worse by the fact that we've got Helder Costa, a player who mm-hmm. um, you ideally want in. I mean, you obviously want him in your side when you've when you've paid the amount of money we paid for him, or when he's the, the the sort of elite kind of player that he is. You also want Pablo Hernandez in your side as well as the most creative player that we have. Um, the best way of doing that is 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 playing Pablo Hernandez where he's being played and 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 replacing Harrison with with Helder Costa. So I think that problematizes the the issue slightly. Um, I also think that. Uh, Harrison and Costa are quite different players. Costa is a player who will hit the byline, who who is very um, explosive on the ball, um, and Harrison is someone who likes. He he reminds me, he reminds me stylistically. I hasten to add of of Eden Hazard, who is a player who will often hold the ball up wait for the 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 defender to come towards him before trying to take them on whereas Costa is is more of a first touch player get the ball down move it as quickly as possible that's going to be where you get your edge from um so i think i think Harrison's been good i'd like to see more he 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 has the highest number of touches in the box from a Um, from a winger basically this season and he's got one goal that's just not enough we need to see him producing more in in the way of assists and and shots really Um, and I think he's going to have he's going to have his work cut out if Helder Costa starts playing it out a little bit more regularly and producing the way that he did when he came on against Barnsley.
3: Quickly, an update from the Friday night football in the Premier League, and it is Bournemouth uh, that have got the first goal of this South Coast derby. It is Nathan Ake uh, that gave uh, Bournemouth the lead from a corner uh, inside the opening 10 minutes at Southampton 0. Uh, Bournemouth won, about 12 minutes gone. Uh, another man that uh, shares his first name with Jack Harrison, uh, Jack Clark, he obviously signed for Tottenham over the summer for £8.5 million roughly, has rejoined Leeds on loan. I look at the squad for Sunday's game no Jack Clark in there there have been suggestions that could Jack Clark go back to Tottenham because of the lack of game time why is Marcelo Bielsa so reluctant to give him game time is it because he knows ultimately in 12 months time he's going to go back to Tottenham he's not leaders player long term or is there something else that's going on that we don't quite know about so, the issue with Jack
4: Clark is that Leeds thought when they brought in uh, Ilan Meslier, who's the um, sub- substitute goalkeeper, they assumed that they could get him on an international loan and that would mean that they could field six subs on the, in the squad, on the matchday squad. It turned out that wasn't the case um, and hasn't ever been the case, apparently. But um, that means that Leeds have six players on loan and and can only field five of them. And and this season, it's so turned out that Jack Clark has been the player who's been dropped. So, that's the reason why he's not playing. Um, he did play with the, he started for the under 23s today, but the rumours are that he is going to be heading back to to Spurs sooner rather than later, and I think it's just it's just unlucky that that's the way the things have transpired. Um, Leeds fans know that that Clark's a fantastic player. They know also that he's not been quite the same as he was before he got his virus that that knocked him out um, when he when he collapsed on the bench at Borough, and so it's just a, it's just one of those awkward moments where you kind of think getting back to Spurs, getting playing, um, maybe even if, if he's going to be playing at the under 23, surely it'd be better for him to be playing at, at, in the Spurs. Reserve.
3: I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking plenty more I want to get your views on Calvin Phillips uh, Ben White as well a number of Leeds players have signed new contracts in the last few weeks there's so some good news off the field uh, for uh, some of the Leeds players uh, we'll also be talking to Bryn Law very very soon about uh, Leeds starts of the season their, their game uh, obviously last Sunday their win against Barnsley and also uh, the game tomorrow against Derby but first we do have that update more of an update from Peter
6: Hood who is at the Southampton V Bournemouth game Southampton 0 Bournemouth 1 the Cherries have not won St Mary's ever but they're on their way with a goal from Nathan Ackie they won a corner on the right hand side Diego Rico put the corner in and the static Saints defence didn't deal with Nathan Ackie who headed in to give the visitors the lead it's Southampton 0 Bournemouth 1
2: giving your team a voice love sport radio
3: this is the Leeds Fan Show with John McKenzie, Daniel Morley from All Stats, aren't we? And me, Kieran Critchard. Just an update uh, from St. Mary's. It's Southampton 0 Bournemouth 1. 17 minutes gone down on the south coast. Nathan Ake gave uh, the visitors the lead inside the opening 10 minutes. Uh, we've been talking about a number of uh, different Leeds players. we about Patrick Bamford, Jack Harrison, Eddie Nketiah uh, and also Jack Clark. I-, I wanted to get your views on Calvin Phillips. Now, this is one of the top championship midfielders over the summer. Rumoured Aston Villa, who of course got promoted into the Premier League, were interested in him, but he has signed a new five-year contract. Daniel, how crucial was this for Leeds to secure him down this long-term contract? And does that show kind of where Leeds are going, that even though they didn't get promotion to the Premier League, they, they're still a big attraction? And even though there was the potential lure of a Premier League move last summer, that, that Calvin Phillips was willing to stay, stay at Leeds and, and, and fight to get into the Premier League? Yeah,
5: um, I think and this is no disrespect to Aston Villa but they were the main kind of interested club and they've only just got promoted to the to Premier League obviously they've got a long history of being in the Premier League but there's not that certainty there for him if he was, was to join them obviously factors in that he's a Leeds um, boyhood Leeds fan, Leeds boy that's the main reason I think they've got him to stay but I would temper that with I don't think there's any guarantee that he would would stay out the length of that contract if he weren't to, to get into the Premier League um I, I think he's the commitment he's shown is uh you know, is admirable and I think, you know, it, it's a good sign that the club is willing to meet his kind of demands in terms of in terms of wages to keep him there. And and should we go to the Premier League we'll have a what I see and lots of Leeds fans see is a, a kind of ready made um Premier League defensive midfielder who could, you know, even potentially knock on the door of the, the England squad. Um so, yeah, I think it's a good thing for the club, but it's only a guarantee of success if we get into the Premier League, I think.
3: And also Liam Cooper and Stuart Dallas are other players that have signed new deals. Is this more a case of the Marcelo-Bielsa factor, that that they want to stay for him? Or, as you mentioned, Calvin Phillips is a boyhood Leeds fan, so, so there's no surprise necessarily there. But is it more a case of uh, Bielsa's attraction more so than Leeds itself?
4: Yeah, I don't think anyone would deny that that Marcelo-Bielsa has had a... Positive impact on both of those players. Stuart Dallas um, was was a left winger a couple of seasons ago. He's now been reinvented as a right wing, uh, right back. Sorry. Uh, same with Liam Cooper no one expected him to be a a, a decent central defender and now now look at him he's he's earned himself Scotland call up so I think that there's no there's no doubt that those two players have stayed on because of the Bielsa effect.
3: I'm delighted to say that to talk uh, all things Leeds to look at their season so far we are joined uh, this evening by Bryn Law commentator for LUTV thank you very much for your time uh, this evening Bryn I believe you've just started working at LUTV how how is it all going at the moment?
7: Well, it's going very, very well, to be honest. I mean, um, the, the, life is much easier when the team's doing well, as they are. Uh, they're playing well and, um, you know, arguably could have won every game, to be honest, this season. The points they've dropped, they've dropped in games which they could quite conceivably have won. So the early signs, and it is only early, but the early signs look, look pretty promising, to be honest.
4: Hey, Brian, it's John here. I'm just. Wondering, I'm, I'm wondering how much your influence to to go and work for LUTV was based on the fact that you would have the chance to watch the Marcelo Bielsa team through a season.
7: I saw quite a bit of them. Uh, well, a bit, yeah, a fair bit of them last year, to be honest. In the in the previous capacity at Sky. but um, what is nice is to commit to something when you are being treated to quite a footballing spectacle every week, and the uh, the style of football that you're seeing is uh, is is pretty pleasing on the eye, to say the least. Yeah, the games are the games are not necessarily exciting. That's maybe the wrong phrase, but um, they're absorbing. Uh, and the the way that Leeds play, it's uh, the, the, the sort of ruthlessly relentless nature of the, of the uh, possession football. The way they they have this uh, ability currently to to actually grind teams down. So the longer the game goes on, the more likely they look to win it. And that's been particularly the case away from home, I and mean, if there is a slight concern at the moment, tomorrow will be very interesting from this perspective, it's the the home form. Because away from home they've been magnificent, um, and they've scored a lot of goals and they play some great football. At home they find it just that little bit more difficult when the onus is less on the opposition to actually try and do anything, frankly.
5: Hi Bryn, it's uh, Daniel. Um... What do you think um is the issue with the the kind of home form? Do you get a sense being at the ground for for every game that there's there's something different, there's an expectation this season, um which oh, is weighing massively down. The players?
7: But but to be honest, there's been an expectation around every Leeds United game ever, well, yeah. since the nineteen sixties if you like. Um You know that that they carry that as a bit of a burden. I've got to say. I mean, the players who arrive at Leeds United have got to be able to cope with the burden of expectation, and nowhere is that more the case than at Elland Road, because every game this season looks like being a sellout, twenty five thousand season tickets sold, and 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 an absolute clamour for the for the remaining seats. So there's there's massive interest in the club at the moment, which will only grow the longer the team stays in and around the top positions. Mm. But that does. That does place an extra pressure on any player who turns out for Leeds United. I think what's very encouraging um, for the from, for Leeds at the moment is they do appear to have built a group that is able to cope with the pressure of playing for Leeds United. The big question now to be answered is if they can if they can do at home what the teams at home what they do away from home to teams. And as I, as I sort of said there, the, the difference is obviously the teams come to Ellen Road with a, with a mindset which is uh, we've got to stop Leeds playing, and I think they feel that if they can keep the game tight in Killie's heel, it, so if the game is still there, something in it for the opposition at ten or fifteen minutes to go, and they force a corner kick, there's a little sort of ramp up in the anxiety levels inside the stadium. Mm because they've seen it happen before. The Nottingham Forest game was an example. Leeds were winning and were comfortable and then conceded a couple of corner kicks later on and Forest got a scrappy goal off one of those. Exactly The same happened against Swansea yeah. in the only defeat so far where Leeds could more than easily have won that game. And then Swansea, they hadn't quite hung on in there. They played really well, but they did they did the same. They got set-piece play late on and managed to get themselves another scrappy goal from it. So... Leads me to just blow that one away. You know, a good two or three nil home win uh, would really help sort of alleviate any concern that there might be around the home form, because it's only two wins in the last ten home games. Um, Given that Leeds have got a hundred percent record away from home this season, it's a record breaking start on the road. Mm. It's quite a contrast.
4: Hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned the buzz around Elland Road at the moment. I'm interested to, to know what impact the atmosphere has for you as a commentator does it does it help you to be able to commentate in those sorts oh, of um, atmospheres
7: oh i mean it's brilliant uh there's, there's there are a few um comparable grounds in england anymore to be absolutely honest because so little has happened in terms of redeveloping ellen road mm. you know it looks pretty much like it did through through the through the 70s uh, they've added a few seats, and that's about it, frankly. And the, uh, the great big East Stand obviously grew up um, in the time that I'd first started covering them back in the in the very early 90s. But um, it, it's still, it's still if you like, an old-fashioned football ground where the noise levels match the noise levels that I remember from when I was going to games as a lad. And I stood on the Kipax, and I was stood on the North Bank at Arsenal, stood on the at Anfield, all those places where you've got huge noise and you've got the sort of passion and all the rest of it that, that spilled down onto the pitch. Well, you, right. you still get that from El- you still get that at Ellen Road. There's nothing better than a big game at Ellen Road in terms of the atmosphere in the English game, I would, I would um, suggest these days. And I think on that basis, I think the Premier League would absolutely love to have Leeds United back because... Mm-hmm. Um, they carry that big global support still. I mean, I'm constantly amazed. You go down to the club in, in the middle of the week and you're by the club shop and there are always people coming in and out of the club shop. And if you stop them and talk to them quite often, they're from, you know, the far, far flung corners of the world, to be honest. So Leeds still have that image and that, uh, carry that uh, reputation as a big club. So the whole match day thing is great there. Um, as long as they, particularly when things are going well, it has to be said, but it's, it's still one of those grounds where you say the home you know the home crowd could be worth an extra goal definitely it's, it's a good place to be when it's really rocking do
5: you think there's um a risk of losing that getting promoted to the premier league is it a bit of a, a you know poison chalice in, in in a way with that you know cuz a lot of the criticism of the premier league is that you know you've got these you know highly highly paid players and it's uh, there's kind of um, uh, a gap between the supporters and, and the uh, and the players, and it, you don't quite get the same atmosphere that, that you get in lower down the uh, football league ladder. Uh, I mean, do you, do you think that's the case, or do you think Leeds can retain it in the Premier League? Well,
7: yeah, I, I think they can because there's nothing uh, much going to happen to the ground anytime soon in terms of redevelopment. I yeah. mean, there's been big news this week on on building a new training ground very close to Ellen Road. So the development that, that the club is talking about is taking place away from Ellen Road at mm. the moment uh, you know the, the, the stadium stays as it is and it's I mean it's looking pretty old fashioned in terms of what's on offer there mm. nowadays you know it doesn't have the number of boxes that you'd expect from a from a, a big football club which I like, certainly not from a premier league potentially football club but there's not a lot they can do about that you know short of knocking down stands which I don't think anyone'll be in a hurry to do at the moment because the capacity it's sort of limited to thirty-five thousand at the moment, as it is. Um, so I don't think that will—I don't think that will necessarily change. The one—I mean, the one thing is that for all Leeds, uh, the city needs a team back in the Premier League. No question about that, because it's a sort of prestige thing. But also, I don't—I I think the fans desperately want to see the team back at Premier League level because they would say that that's its, its rightful position, top division, and all the rest of it but at the same time i think there would be a little bit of a yearning for for life championship life is is quite a lot of fun to be honest you know the yeah. games are always competitive they're often exciting um they're unpredictable which is a major part of, of what you lose when you get into the Premier League because so many of the results in the Premier League are predictable and there is still there's a good feeling between this group of players now and the fans and there's an amazing feeling between the, the, the manager my be Bielsa you may have seen the pictures of him this week pushing the supermarket trolley round in Morrison's in Weatherby which is just up the road from where I live and He's often to be seen walking the streets of Weatherby, small market town in in West Yorkshire, in his Leeds gear, the tracksuit and the coat and all the rest of it, with a, a like a dossier under his arm. And he sits in Costa Coffee and he and he pours over the, and makes his notes there and does his team planning and all that in the corner of Costa Coffee to such an extent that people have made it a bit of a, It's almost like a, a tourist trip up to Weatherby now <laughs> to see if anyone can bump into Marcelo Bielsa. Having a coffee in Costa, mm-hmm. and then they ask him for a picture, and he always obliges and all the rest of it. So there's a brilliant rapport between uh, the sort of the, the, the genius in charge of the team and and the fans, and that's helped. The ownership's been um, quite cute. They've made one or two errors along the way from a PR perspective. They've, they've bounced back from those and done well to sort of engage the fans in a way. I mean, remember this this club's been kicked from pillar to post in the last 15 years a succession of bad owners and bad things happening so to finally have some sort of sense of optimism about what lies ahead you know the fans have bought right into it very quickly so 5,000 season tickets for the results of that uh, good vibe around the place at the moment and if they can just I get the feeling like every game looks important at the moment you know it was important that they bounced back from the, the first defeat against Swansea and they did that in some style by beating Barnsley in what was a really good game if they do, if they can beat Derby, given all the things that happened with Derby last season as well, that will further sort of give sense of um, you know a cause for optimism in terms of where they're going this season. Because I've not seen an awful lot to worry me currently in terms of uh, Leeds, Leeds prospects.
3: And just finally, uh, then Bryn, a prediction for tomorrow, Ellen Rowe, twelve thirty kick off, Leeds beat Derby. What do you think the result will be?
7: I hate predicting. I'm so I, I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm rubbish at it, but I hate doing it. But I do think. Um, I, well, I'd have to say I, I'd have to say a Leeds win, wouldn't I? Because um, well, I'm working for UTV after all. So victory, uh, but it would be nice to see a Leeds victory by more than the one goal because they do make people very very nervy when that one is hanging on in there a little bit in the in the closing stages so it would be nice to see a victory by a couple of days.
3: thank you very much for your time uh, this evening bryn forward. Thank you very much for your time no this evening, Bryn. Thank you. That was Bryn Law, commentator for LUTV, giving his views uh, on Leeds. I, I, I'm, I'm sure, as, a, as I said, he works for LUTV. Couldn't predict a Derby win, could he? <laughs> uh, so uh, a, a win, I'm hoping that it's not nervy uh, for the Leeds fans towards the end uh, of that game. There is a game, obviously, in the Premier League tonight, Friday night football from down at St Mary's. It's Southampton v Bournemouth. Bournemouth uh, got ahead of the game. Uh, Nathan Ake scored header in the opening uh, 10 minutes. Uh, Bournemouth threw thought they'd scored but let's see
6: from Peter Hood whether that goal stood Southampton nil Bournemouth one but it could have been worse for the home side VAR steps in to disallow Joshua King's goal it looked it was a very very fine decision indeed just one toe end of a boot that separated that and another goal for the visitors they lead though still from Nathan Ake's head on nine minutes it's Southampton nil Bournemouth one
2: We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter, or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station.
1: Selling a little or a lot?
0: This is the Leeds Fan Show with John McKenzie, Daniel
3: Moroney from All Stats, aren't we? And me, Kieran Critchard, hopefully you're not getting too bored of my voice. You heard it much earlier this afternoon in the Premier League and Championship Fan Shows. Those are between one and two and two and three uh, every weekday afternoon. Uh, But hopefully you can stick with us here on Lost Sport on this Friday evening. The weekend uh, is here. Uh, Before we talk about the game uh, tomorrow, uh, I just wanted to get your your views on, on the start. As in general, so sixteen points top of the table through seven games, could you really have hoped for more now? I know one of the things we've been talking about quite regularly is the home form or the lack of good home form, but could could you really have anticipated any better that that could, could is this a pretty close to an ideal start as you can get?
4: Yeah, I think I mean we we run a channel which focuses on the tactics and the stats and statistically, this is as good a, a start as you could hope for. We've we've pointed out often on our channel um, that that Leeds are just in control of games. They're way ahead in terms of uh, producing chances. So that's what we call XG. We we are very, uh, very impressive when it comes to the, the the sort of chances and the quality of the chances that we're creating. We're also very very good at uh, at stopping other teams from creating those good chances as well and i think if you if you if you build the table based on the, that data and the xg data leads a far and away the, the the best team they could easily have won all of their games and they could be sitting uh, multiple points clear at the top of the table
3: now it's time for the opposition view for the fans
2: by the fans love sport radio
3: Obviously, Leeds opponents at Ellen Road uh, tomorrow at 12.30 is Derby County. And to give us the perspective of the Rams, I'm delighted to say that joining us is Richard Kutcher from the Steve Bloomers Washing Derby County FC podcast. Uh, thank you very much for your time uh, this evening, uh, Richard. Uh, for Derby County, only seven points from their first seven games. To be fair, there are quite a few sides like that. Philip Cocker got off to a good start away at Huddersfield in the opening weekend, gone a little bit downhill since then. How, how have you assessed Derby's start to the season?
1: Hi there. Yeah, I know it's been a pretty frustrating start to the season, to be honest, as you can see from from the results. And none of us, I think most Derby County fans didn't have a lot of high expectations at the very start of the season because you had such a disrupted pre-season. But I think the Huddersfield game, Derby were really impressive in that match. And I was actually away watching it in the States and was was really excited coming back. But we haven't really kicked on from there. I think there's quite a few mitigating factors for that. But it has been very frustrating, very stop and start and and Philip Cocker is really still, I think, getting to grips with who his squad are and what options he's got at his disposal. And it's a very unbalanced team, which I think he's he's kind of struggling to get the best out of right now.
4: Hi Richard, it's John here. I'm I'm interested Hi, to hear whether or not the, the Derby fans feel as though they've been unlucky this season or whether or not they, they feel as though there's something wrong with the team.
1: Um I can't I think it'd be I think it'd be a bit kind on of ourselves to say we've been unlucky. We haven't really put in one single 90-minute performance, Huddersil was probably the closest thing to that. And I think there was one, you know, there's one stat bouncing around that if Martin Waghorn had scored two of his penalties that he missed, then we'd obviously have four points more and, and the league table would look a little bit healthier. But we've also taken uh, draws in matches we probably should have lost. Uh, Stoke away, for example, we really were definitely the second best team in that match. Um, to be honest, it's a very unbalanced team. There's no real width. in the the team which is causing a lot of problems I think we're quite easy to defend against at the moment one of the biggest big blows for Philip Cocker was losing Jaden Bogle in the second game of the season I think most people know in the championship Jaden Bogle came through last season with a, with a, a revelation at right back although still 18 year old and a bit fragile defensively but he started the season really well and all our natural wit from the right was coming from him and we've lost that, and we've, got, we've got now got a 20-year-old left-back uh, left playing at right-back who, who's done a good job, Max low, but if he couldn't give us any whip, as you would imagine, he naturally comes inside. So I think, I think probably the league table is a fair reflection of, of how Derby have performed this season. I'm optimistic we, we will improve, and uh, we've got the players to do so, but um, I, think, I, th- I don't think we can have really any complaints uh, so far.
5: Hi Richard, it's Daniel. Um... Hi Daniel. So, just a question on the kind of tactics, you alluded to it there with the kind of lack of natural width without um, Jaden Bogle in the side, Um, do you think it's kind of working at the moment? It seems from uh, looking at the formations in previous games, Derby have got quite a narrow three, um, with trying to get Waghorn and Marriott in the side, and obviously Lawrence when it, before he got suspended. Do you think that's contributing to the problem with the kind of lack of width? Or it, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, Martin yeah. Wagon is, is more naturally is a, is, a, is a forward or a striker through the middle. And he did have some success playing right wing uh, for, or from the right last season uh, at, at points. Um, and Tom Lawrence, uh, playing from the left, naturally wants to come inside yeah. and sees himself as a 10. And a lot of Derby county fans, including me, would actually like to see him start as a 10. I think he started as a 10, um, up front against Leeds in the second leg of the the playoffs and and, and did a decent job. Um, So we don't have that natural whip. And I think Derby County fans are very keen to see Jack Marriott start matches. And there's lots of um, disquiet about how Lampard used him in the second half or didn't use him in the second half of last season. And he was slow to get match fit this season in pre-season. And who has been reluctant to start him but has done in the last couple of matches. But shoehorning Marriott into the team Gives you uh, problems elsewhere. And if you're going to have someone like Jack Marriott, who, in my opinion, is the best natural finisher in the Championship, if you're going to have him play, you need to give him chances. You need to get the ball into the box. He only needs half a yard, as, as Lewis found out last season, um, to, to create something and, 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 to, and to get a goal. But we're not creating chances in the matches he's started in. He hasn't really been given a sniff.
4: Yeah, you've mentioned the width as well. One of the things I've noticed, I watched a couple of Derby County games this week, and one of the things I've noticed is that getting forward, your you, your forward players get so isolated. And that's partly because you've got players like Waghorn playing as a as a as a winger, but you've also got uh, Tom Lawrence, obviously, um, although he isn't available tomorrow. <laughs> But he's, again, when you look at, look at that, that front three, they love to get forward um, and they're not really getting a huge amount of backup from the rest of the, the team, I don't think. I think a lot of the work for that is being left um, for, for Dwayne Holmes. I, I just wondered whether or not you would, you would agree with that because it seems you've got a really defensive double pivot. You've got, you've got Huddleston and Bielik was playing there last weekend. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do, you, do you worry a little bit about the link-up play between the, the, the defence and the attack?
1: Yeah, obviously with Derby County fans, we're all a big fans of Huddleston. He came through the academy almost 20 years ago now. Um, and we uh, he he's a, he can be an excellent player on the ball. But as we all know, he's never been the most mobile player. And it's really interesting to see since Philip has come in, I don't think Huddleston's ever played so far forward in his, probably his whole career. He's not playing... As a deep facility, he's playing one step ahead of, of yeah. Kristin Belic at the moment, and I don't really think it's working. I can imagine if he was given time and space with the ball in the final third, Hudson could, could cause some damage with his, with his ability on the ball, but it's not really working to have him with Bellic. Um I'd agree with you, but it's very defensive. It might work in certain games away from home. I think Bellic, um Koku said that he only has just become match fit in the last week to actually start in the field rather than start at centre back. So. We probably haven't seen the best of Bellick yet in midfield, and he is a much more explosive player. He does carry the ball out from uh, the defensive third and kind of will will go ahead and will will run on ahead. So maybe the ultimate plan is for when Bellick is is, is fit and firing, he will actually will push on and and provide more support uh, to the attacking players. You mentioned Dwayne Holmes there. I mean, last week was the first week that Dwayne Holmes started in the league this season, so um, he... uh, We'd expect him to, to have a big impact, and I hope there's not too much to put on the shoulders, but really, we need someone to replace Mason Mount um, and or Harry Wilson, and Holmes is the closest player to doing that in that squad. Um, he's someone that can get up and support. He can break the lines. He can find space. Um, he's a tricky player, um, but there's a lot of pressure on him to, to be that kind of spark that we've been missing in the, in the first few games of the season.
3: This is obviously a fixture that will be quite charged uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. at Ellen Road after Spygate. Then, obviously, the playoff semi finals. We were discussing this actually in, in, in just uh, just before you came on about. Um, kind of is this kind of a good thing because this isn't necessarily a historic rivalry but because of perhaps slightly unfortunate circumstances that Derby perhaps were not happy with to begin with but now I don't think they necessarily look back on it particularly badly is this a good thing actually for this fixture that it's become this rivalry and it will always kind of be seen as this and it adds extra spice to this game?
1: Um, I think so I mean I think a lot of certainly a lot of Derby fans I uh, am sure lots of Leeds fans understand the historical significance of this fixture going back to the Brian Clough on every day that's always been knocking about uh, from from what I understand and I've always found the Derby Leeds fixture quite a quite a highly charged one during the Nigel Clough days as well of course we went 10 games on the bounce winning against Leeds um, and I think when when we won uh, where Giles Barnes scored about 10 years ago under Blue Davis was the first time we won at for 37 years at the time I've always seen it as quite a highly charged fixture we see it as our second kind of Rivalry after Nottingham Forest, I'm sure Leeds have got a fish to fry possibly on, on on that side of things. But I mean, it has it did step up a level for sure last season. And of course, Bielsa had had the mark over Lampard for three out of four of those matches. Um, I'm sure it will be charged again tomorrow. I think what Derby County fans and I, I certainly am concerned about is Leeds are already a lot better side than we are, in much better form, and they've got the added incentive of of what went on um, at the back end of last season. Uh, So I'm pretty, um, I'm a little bit (laughs) concerned about tomorrow. I think we need to avoid uh, conceding first, um, because otherwise I feel like it could be a bloodbath.
3: And just quickly, a prediction uh, from you, Richard. How do you think the game will play out?
1: Well, I'm hoping that Philip Coccu can show this uh, tactical genius uh, side of himself that we haven't quite seen yet. Um, But that's more hope than expectation, I think Derby will lose, and I'm afraid it might be uh, two or three now.
3: A very honest assessment. Thank you very (laughs) much for joining us this evening. Uh, That was Richard Cutcher from the Steve Bloomers Washing Derby County FC podcast on the opposition view. Uh, We're going to have an update uh, for you. It's getting towards half time uh, at St Mary's, and we have an update from Peter Hood.
6: Southampton 0, Bournemouth 2. No VAR against this one. A flowing move down the left hand side. Phil Billings cross. And there was Harry Wilson to net his third goal of the season and put the Bournemouth in total control of the game. It's Southampton 0, Bournemouth 2. Giving
2: your team a voice. Love Sport Radio.
3: This is the Leeds Fan Show with John McKenzie and Daniel Murray from All Stats, Aren't We? And also me, presenter Kieran Critchard. Just an update from St Mary's at half time. Not a good night so far for the home side, it is Southampton nil. Bournemouth two, Nathan Ake and Harry Wilson, uh, with the goals for Eddie Howe's side. Uh, we're going to end the Leeds fans show with some of the listener questions, as as we always end uh, the show. Uh, I'll start off with with the first question that we've got, and it's to with breaking down the low block. Chris Kirk asks, uh, Bielsa's tactic uh, tactic suits away perfectly with space at home when teams sit back. How tactically do we need to improve to overcome no space to play? Daniel, I'll start with you. How how do you think Bielsa needs to tactically um, change at home?
5: I don't know if we do need to tactically change at home. I just think it needs to be um, a kind of better uh, application of the system, really. Um, I think one of the main games last season where, I mean, it comes back to the crossing again. Um, with the you know uh, the game at Wigan last season that was kind of the kind of nail in the coffin for promotion I think um, was the one where we I think it was something like 50 plus crosses we'd put in in that game and none of them went to the uh, you know went to the man or it didn't seem like it I think it's got to be when teams go into that low block I think it's just got to be a different approach to kind of maybe drag the
3: defenders out of it, you know and more kind of targeted crossing maybe I think. Um, do you think John it's a case of as Daniel said better execution rather than a a change in approach?
4: Yeah, I think so and you know that's that's Bielsa's watchword is is when when plan A doesn't work you do plan A but better. Um and that's that's entirely the system that he's built at Leeds it's it's a system where he could change things around tweak it it's still essentially the same system there's not he's not going to ever change that system but he is going to have um, ways and means of, of making it more or less um dangerous i guess so i yeah i, I agree entirely with, with with what daniel said in the games that we haven't won this season uh, we've we've done enough to win, um, so it, it seems hard for me to just come out and say, well, we need to do something different. Um, do, do teams really sit that deep? I don't even think that that's true. You know, from uh, I've watched obviously watched every game a couple of times um, because I do a tactical uh, review of every game, and. You'd be surprised. There's, there seems to be this sort of urban myth that teams sit deep against Leeds, but it's not. It's not always the case. There's, there's teams that will sit in a in a mid block. There's teams that will, um, uh, and there's teams that will even press quite high. We saw that with Barnsley last week. Um, I know it was away from home, but they 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 weren't scared to, to go forward. So I think it's it's very easy to to settle on the final score and say there's an issue here when really there probably isn't that much of an issue. Um, and in the in the long run of the season, we won't actually you know. Notice that as a problem in the, long, in the long run.
3: So, the next question is in from Ashley Oaks and it's regarding the manager that's coming up against Leeds uh, this weekend about Philip Koku. The stats are stacked against Derby, but you only have to look at Norwich, who couldn't buy a win in their first five last season. Newcastle also started really slow the year they went up. Do you think Derby have a manager that can turn things around once they've adapted?
4: Well, I couldn't I couldn't speak about his um, form when he was in the Netherlands because I don't watch the Eredivisie. So, uh, but what I have seen of Philip Koku is, uh, do, you, do you know what? When, and this is something I said again in my preview for this match, the tactics preview. He, his style of play really re- reminded me of Steve Cooper at Swansea. Um, they play forty-three-one. They have a quite defensive double pivot sitting in front of the the defence. I just think that the problem with both of those teams is that they're. Tran- that we talk about transition a lot because what's really important is not just defending, not just attacking. It's it's moving from a situation where you're defending to a situation where you're attacking. And for me, both Derby and and Swansea aren't good enough at that at that transition between defending and attacking. Partly because, um, as we talked about with with Richard before, um, they they've got such a defensive setup. With then three very attacking players and 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 one player then um, expected to sort of hold it all together. Swansea very similar. They've got they've got quite a deep uh, double pivot and then they rely on their wing, particularly in their fullbacks and, and and wingers to get forward. Um, so I I think that if Koku's going to do well, I think they have to they have to maybe sacrifice their defensiveness a bit and and become a little bit more. Um, I, I guess coherent in attack. The, the, the thing is, is Derby actually are defensively quite poor. They've given away a lot of big chances this, this season. They've given away 10 big chances in open play, uh, 14 with including set pieces. Part of the problem I think for that is that they because they are so defensive, they then go forward quite uh, aggressively, And but then they leave themselves open for counterattacks, so it's, it's it's just about so much of being a good championship side is being able to deal with those movements between going forwards and coming back and and when, once those two teams can manage that then they'll be much better teams
3: On to a topic that we've already covered uh, covered tonight daniel crossing michael wall asks how much of an effect does a lone frontman have on our poor cross success rate is the left channel where the issue mostly lies i think again you could go back
5: to talking about Harrison and say um his success rate hasn't been um kind of good enough this season that I think John's got the, the specific stats on um uh, Harrison's kind of um success rate with crosses I don't know if you want. To-
4: yeah, he's I have got it written somewhere. Um I think he's yeah, he's around 12.5% success on his crosses which is which is not great but he's making over 5 crosses a game as well so you you want to you want your your, your wide player to be having better success on them. Yeah,
5: and I wouldn't necessarily say it's just coming from the left. Um, it seems to be coming from all areas where it, it doesn't you know, it's not they're not hitting the man. Whether it's the lone striker system, I'm not sure if that uh, I mean we don't have a big man up top kind of thing, um going on, so maybe it's again, I think it comes back to more targeted uh crossing, you know, at players or, or first time crosses that are gonna, you know, surprise teams that are, you know potentially physically bigger and, and you know, can can dominate our attackers it's just about being kind of smarter with it I think and getting in around the back more um, which Costa could help with as well
3: and just finally a final topic about home and away we touched on it in this hour about uh, Bryn Law was talking about it about Leeds's former Alan Rowe different to the 100% record away from home and Ian Dirk asks why is there such a difference between home and away form and can they forfeit all home games <laughs> and play them away
4: Well, as as Bryn mentioned, you know we've got a great away record this season. We've not got a hundred percent win record uh, so far. What? Where does the difference come from? I think there's there's a number of things. Obviously, teams are a little bit more conservative when they play against us at Elland Road uh, because they expect to 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 lose. there's also a tendency, and this is something that's been remarked upon before, but there's a tendency for the crowd to get on the backs of the players when things aren't going well. Um, interesting that, you know, we, we've already mentioned the, the Barnsley game last week where it took until the, the final 10 minutes before Leeds went ahead. Um, and I wonder whether or not um, the, the the atmosphere at Elland Road would have been uh, different um, had that been that game been at home. Um, but yeah, also, as we've said, you know, we, we there's two games. There was a Swansea game, which we deserved to win, I don't think anyone doubts that, and that was a smash and grab. There was the Forest game as well, where we had a bad corner, and that was it. That was that was the chance. So it's easy. I, I said it before. It's easy to fascinate upon the result and the look at the goal line um, scores, but you know there's so much more going on behind the scenes, which is why we we do uh, take a look at the statistics to see what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a huge difference really between the home and away. Uh, form and I don't think there's really anything to worry about
3: so Leeds United take on Derby County at Ellen Road tomorrow 12:30. 30 should be a great game at Ellen Road I'd like to thank uh, John McKenzie and Don- Daniel Moroni for joining me from all stats aren't we hopefully I've done a decent uh, job of replacing Matt Beadle and Charlie Hawkins uh, tonight uh, we're going to have constant updates throughout these fan shows on the Premier League action from the Friday night football with Southampton host Bournemouth at St. Mary's. Bournemouth are tuning up at halftime thanks to goals from Nathan Ake and Harry Wilson. If you want to get in touch with us tonight, call us on 0208 70 558. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Lovesport Radio. We are also on WhatsApp, so we'd love to hear from you this evening. As I said, thanks to the guys from All Stats, aren't we? And that was your Leeds Fan Show.
2: This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport.